This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, and welcome back. We are in season three, the number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area, and today is a special occasion. We have one of the brightest authors in the game right now. For all the ladies who are out there on the couch, married, with children, and their husband ain't showing them no attention. This is the book for you because it's going to get you through those long, lonely nights. Yeah. So let's introduce the artist, the author. Free, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, speak louder, please. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. And she is joined by her co-host of her up and coming podcast. We don't know the name of it, but we'll get into it. Um <laughs> What, what, what was your name again? My Nikki? name is Nikia. Nikia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you ladies doing today? Pretty good. Pretty hot. Yeah? Hot Very ass hot. day in the bay. Okay. Now, Free, is this your first book that you wrote? It is. Okay. Uh, well, I should say it's my first book that I've published. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I have written other books. Some are half done. Some are fully finished. Um, summer ideas still sitting on the shelf, but yes, this is the first one I have published. And why is this one the first one that you published since you have all that, uh, Oh gosh. Um, this one made it honestly because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the other books that I have either finished or started, um, were very emotional books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I was, I was trying to finish a book, um, during the first few months of the shutdown in 2020. Um, and it was just too tough. I couldn't do it. Um, it was just taking too much of a toll on me emotionally, um, with everything that was going on around us and being stuck in the house and having a kid that, you know, now <laughs> had Zoom school and it, it was just a lot. And so I started writing something that my brain told me was fun. Mm. Um, and so I just went to whatever seemed fun to me. And this is what came out. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have to cry while I was writing. I wasn't taking breaks because it was too emotional. Um, I just had fun. So how long did it take to write the book? Um, let's see. I started in March and I finished the book in October of 2020. Um, and then I started it. I started the editing process. Mm. Um, and that probably took until about April. And then I released it last May. And what's the book called? Secret St. John. So you said you wrote it because you wanted to, have, you were thinking of fun shit? Basically. So all t- the things I could think of. So tell the people what the book is about. Oh, um, 
Essentially, it's about betrayal and friendship. Um, betrayal is fun? Yes. Definitely okay. betrayal. That's probably the number one theme of this book. Are you the one who are betraying people? I, I'm i not. Oh, so this book ain't about you? It's definitely not about me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of characters in this book, but uh. I am not one of them at all. You didn't take nothing from your life and transform it into the book? I don't think so. That's a lie. I don't believe that <laughs> I don't <shit>. think so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so it continues. About betrayal, friendship. Um, love. Mm-hmm. Sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Crime. Murder. Okay. <laughs> There's lots of things going on <laughs> in this one. So this is this book is just one book about a story about like a characters that last throughout the book or there, yes. there's a bunch so of a, different it's stories. It's a family essentially. Okay. Um, it's a, it's a group of friends um, who are basically family mm-hmm. um, and some things happen in their lives um, in their circle that they basically have to contend with mm-hmm. um, and how they then navigate those friendships and the love that they find amongst each other mm-hmm. um, in dealing with that betrayal that comes up. Do you think it was easy to write this book? Absolutely. It was it was total fun writing this. Why like I got easy? a kick out of it. Why was it so easy for you? The characters. Mm. Um I thought of one character initially and that character led to another character that led to another character and it just um it just seemed like these were people that I knew. At some point, right? It was mm. like I started creating characters and each character I created, there was a story with them. Like as soon as I could visualize them, there was a story. Mm. Um, and then, you know, this character has a friend. And as soon as I could visualize that character, I knew exactly what their story was together and separately. Mm. And so it just felt like I knew these people. So it was really easy to just let it come out and let it flow. Mm. What uh you said this was the first book that you published. Um so obviously you you had no history to go on, like mistakes to learn from. Right. What was one thing that surprised you about publishing a book? Um I didn't think I would be um so emotional about opinions, mm-hmm. um, both good and bad. Um, you know, when I first put it out and I had people read it and, you know, they were like, oh my God, I love this. Or, you know, I, I really took that information to heart, right? Like when someone said something about my art, yeah, it really hit me in a place I didn't think was going to hit It's like me. someone calling your baby ugly. You think, yeah. you think your baby is the cutest thing in the world. Yeah. And then someone's like, yeah, they're so sweet. Big like, nose you're like, bitch, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So like, you know, sometimes the feedback you get, you're like, oh, that, that pulled at something, mm. you know? Um, and I was convinced that I was just this rock mm. that didn't feel very much. Yeah. And that was a complete, not a lie. Did you get a lot of negative feedback? No, not a lot. Um, 
I did get feedback that that one person and I, I wanted to fight it so bad, right? Mm. Um, but one person said, like, you know, this section was so descriptive. And for me, I was like, it was supposed to be. It was intentional. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. But for them and, you know, what they wanted to read, that wasn't it, right? They felt like, oh, that was too much information, right? And I was like, I guess. But it it hit something, you know? It, it totally touched me in a way that I was like, but everyone's supposed to love this. Mm-hmm. And then you take a step back and you're like, no, everybody's not supposed to love your shit just because it was you. Yeah. Like, that's not how this goes. You don't love everybody's books. Like, you've got lots of opinions and you let them be known. So people should be able to do that same thing. So do you think you need to have tougher skin? Um if you want to be no. if, if you want to dabble into this world <laughs> of I mean book writing. No, I don't. Okay. I don't, honestly. And the reason that I don't think I need to have tougher skin is because I'm okay with feeling what comes along um, with those opinions. That's something that I learned about myself. Mm-hmm. I am okay with feeling that, right? Because feedback is feedback at the end of the day. And if you can't take constructive feedback and learn from it, right? Mm-hmm. And either learn this is something that I want to consider for the next time, or you know what? You're one person, And I will still continue to do this the way that I want to do it because that's who I am as a writer. Um, Either way, I'm okay with that. Like I'm okay dealing with those feelings and, you know, letting it guide me into the next project. That's, Mm. that's okay. You know, you're entitled to however you feel and whatever information you feel like I deserve. I'm open to that. Now is writing your passion. I would say yes. It's something that I've done since I was a kid Mm. and I always got joy from it. I think I I stepped away from it for a while as far as an idea that I would actually explore professionally. Um, Thinking that there were other things, there were other projects that um, were more important in my mind, right? Things that I wanted to do more. Um, things that needed more immediate attention, mm. but I always come back to writing always. I write when I feel really good. I write when something great has happened in my life. Um, I write when I'm really emotional. Um, I write when I just want to remember something. Mm. Um, I turn it into a story. I, I write all the time. So yes. <laughs> Do you... Do any drugs? Occasionally. <laughs> Occasionally. So a, lot a drug of, here or there. A lot, a lot of artists, right? They feel like doing drugs enhances. Oh, hell no. Enhances <laughs> thoughts. Like some of the best songs out there were created when people were like high off like acid and shit. I can see why that would be the case for people. Not for you? Um, not for me. Not for mm. writing. Mm. I can't concentrate at a computer for a length of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. High, I can't. I can't do it, and okay. I know because I've tried. <laughs> it didn't work out, and I mean like simple drugs. Like I can't eat an edible and try to write. Mm-hmm. I will zone out for hours. Mm. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I write a little bit too, but I, I write a little 
like poetry here and there, right? But all my poetry is like dark. It's about uh, oh. like dark shit. Okay. I don't write about like happy stuff. And I think that's easier to write about. Really? So when you write, what's like the main thing that you think is the easiest for you to write about? Is it like love, sex, what? No, turmoil. Trauma and turmoil, unfortunately, Why is the is easiest thing for me to write. Um, probably because I've experienced a lot of it. Uh-huh. And I think growing up, writing was always my outlet. So it's it still exists in that way for me. Mm-hmm. So when I write, I write from a place of remembrance most of the time. Um, and so it's why usually everything that I write is really emotional, right? Why well, I couldn't handle finishing the book that I was writing during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- I wouldn't say that I go to a dark place, but I definitely go to um, a very emotional place when writing. This this book um, was was very different and new to me. I think it's why it was so fun. Um because I don't write about these types of things, right? I don't, I don't write about crime families. I don't write about sex. I don't write about love mm. necessarily. Um, so this felt really good to do you, write. Do you feel like this is your best, your best work? That's why you published it? No. No? No. No, I don't, <laughs> actually. <laughs> um this one probably got published first because it was fun. Okay. Um, and because the other ones are so much deeper mm. um, that when you ask, like, is there any of you in this book, right? I could immediately say no because tons of the other things I've written are me, mm. right? They're they're based off of... Um, my life or the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and those I think would have been tougher to put out and deal with anyone reading it. Mm. Right. It's like, then you have to contend with people then know who you are on a much <coughs> deeper level. And I don't know if I'm ready for that. What do you got to say, Camila? <coughs> he called you Camila. Her name is Nikita. Are you Nikita. Dying? What's going on? Nikita. Nikita. I don't want to interrupt or mess up your... No, you can do that. <coughs> Sorry. So, Free, um, let's, since you, let's start about from day one, okay? Where did you grow up? San Francisco, Fillmore. Born and raised? Uh, I like to say yes, but technically no. I was born in San Diego. I didn't Mm. spend very much time there. Mm -hmm. So I was definitely raised in San Francisco. When did you move to the Bay Area? Oh, you're trying to age me. You know what? (laughs) When I was just before I was two. Okay. That's what we're going to go with. (laughs) Okay. Both parents in the household? Uh, for the most part, yeah. Mm. For the most part. Siblings? Um, I have three siblings. Two older brothers and an older sister. You guys close? 
Uh, my sister and I are close. Uh-huh. Um, my oldest brother and I, he, he likes to think that he was one of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we're semi-close, but my sister and I are the ones that are really tight. So what were you like growing up? <laughs> um, they tell me, I don't know if I agree with this or not. Um, but I've always been told that I was the character. Mm. Um, I was the very dramatic child who liked to act and tell jokes. Mm. I was the look at me kid, um, very early on. And then I became a really reserved kid by the time I was like eight or nine. What were you like in high school? Same way? I was kind of quiet. Um, I mean, in high school, you know, I played sports. I played basketball, ran track, but mm. I was like, you know, in, in the choir and the drama club and the debate team, and <laughs> like stuff like that. Were that. you sheltered? No, <laughs> not at all. No? Okay. No, I definitely didn't live a sheltered life. That that wouldn't that wouldn't qualify. So after high school, where did your life take you? Um, after high school, I went to college. I stayed in the Bay. Um, I went to St. Mary's, mm. so I was close by. I heard that's a very racist school. Um, it's yeah, it can be. I interviewed this girl, and she went to St. Mary's. She said that they burned a cross on the school campus. Really? Yeah. Oh, that that didn't happen while I was there, but I wouldn't. Yeah, this be is surprised. this was after this was after you. Uh, I definitely yeah. wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I w- I would say while I was there, there weren't a ton of instances that were um, overtly racist, but mm. also this is California, so you know there were a yeah. lot of undertones. Mm -hmm. Um, of racism, just things you could tell people grew up with in their household. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do remember my sophomore year, um, there is like maybe, you know, down the road, few blocks, um, from the school, there's a Safeway, there's like a little shopping center and there's a Safeway. And I remember, um, me and my roommate at the time and a sweet mate of ours, we're in Safeway and we were checking out in the line or standing in the line to check out. And this older white woman comes up from behind and she walks right in front of us and puts her stuff down on the conveyor belt. Mm. And the checkout lady, right, this younger white, white girl, um, just kind of looks on like she felt really uncomfortable, it seemed like. And she just kind of looked between us and the old lady and we're standing there like, are you serious right now? And the lady turns around. She had to be like 80 and turns around. and was like, I will never wait behind a nigger. I was like, what? you got to be out your mind. <laughs> it took everything in me. She said that word for word. Old lady out. Yeah. Wow. Like looked us dead in our wow. face. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me right now. Better person than me. I was, I was so upset. I would have slapped shit out that old lady. I don't care. <laughs> I would have got a charge or something. I definitely wasn't going to put my hands on the lady, but I really wanted to say a few choice words, but I kept, I kept my composure. I had some words. Mm -hmm. I just didn't really say the ones I wanted Mm -hmm. to say. Um, but inevitably she didn't check out before me (laughs) was the point. Um, but 
I mean, that was, you know, yeah. the type of stuff you could experience in that area. Were you any were you in any uh sororities? No. No? No. You get the vibes that you would you would have went to like a uh HB See you. Those so, are the vibes I get. I wanted, I wanted so bad to go to FAMU. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had gone on a college tour in my junior year of high school and went to FAMU and fell in love and really wanted to go to school there. Um, Why didn't it you? It seemed like everything. I couldn't pay for it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't pay for it. Like the out-of-state fees at the time. It's more than St. Mary's? So it wasn't more than St. Mary's, but I got some academic scholarships yeah, yeah. to go to St. Mary's that okay. covered like half of my tuition. Mm-hmm. So with that, it ended up being more okay. than St. Mary's would have cost me. Mm. Um, and I couldn't afford it. Like I was doing it by myself. So there was no way I was going to be able to pay like $20,000 my freshman year of college on mm. my own. And you finished? Hmm? <laughs> Did you finish? I did. Oh. Absolutely. I didn't hear what you said. Okay. Yes, I finished. What, uh, what did you study? Economics. Economics? Yep. Okay. Yep. Economics. And what made you study economics? My high school economics teacher, mm. um, Terry Camiani. What's up? Um, <laughs> so I graduated from George Washington High School in San Francisco and Terry was an economics teacher there for I don't know how many years. Um, but by the time I came around and she taught me, this this woman was probably the epitome of what I felt like a teacher should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned so much from her. Like she was she was awesome. She was so giving and she was patient. And you could tell that what she really wanted to be was a teacher and to be around students and help them grow and learn. And you got that from her every single day, no matter what. And she made me feel like economics was important. She made me feel like what we were learning was important. Um, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Like it was one of those weird things that like you either love it or you hate it. And she made me love it. Mm-hmm. And I had no thoughts about what I wanted to go to college and study. It was economics. That was it for me. Okay. And after you graduated St. Mary's, what happened? Um, I took a couple of years off. Um, I was working as a counselor and a bartender mm-hmm. um, in the East Bay. And then I went to grad school. Um, I went to New York. And did a complete 180. Um, I decided economics was not the route for me. Um, so what happened? Because of it does. That is exactly what happened. <laughs> I convinced myself during undergrad that um, I wanted to go to law school. And economics was going to be my background for becoming an international labor attorney. Mm. And um, when I was done... I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I felt like it was too restricting. Like if I did that and I spent that amount of time and I went into that as a career, if I ever got the notion to leave, it would just be a lot of wasted time and a lot of wasted money. And I was already feeling like, mm, this is probably not for me. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to apply to grad school and get a design degree. 
um, because I felt like I needed to be artistic. I felt like that was more me than anything else. And so I did that. I took a few years and went out there and enjoyed the hell out of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, did you take any, I mean, obviously you're writing books and shit. Did you take any courses in that? Um, I took a couple of writing courses. Mm-hmm. Um, the school that I went to, so I went to the new school, um, but I went to a fashion program um, at Parsons, mm-hmm. um, their fashion design school. Um, but they they also have a really good writing school there. And so I took a few courses there just for fun. Um, I didn't think that that was, even at that time, I didn't think that it was something that I would ever take very seriously. I just thought I would just keep doing it for fun, which I kind of still am. Did you get turned out when you moved to New York? <laughs> no. No? No, sir. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's usually one. What, okay, one. I was in New York in a full-fledged relationship. Uh, like, I was definitely in a relationship when I went to New York. Um, and I was still in that relationship when I left. It was a long-distance relationship? It was. It was. And you guys lasted the whole time you were in New York? We did. We're married now. Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so no cheating happened or nothing? No. No. That's crazy. It's not crazy. You're in New York that and happens. he's in California? Yeah. And how often did you guys see each other? Mm, it was probably every few months. Like we tried maybe every three to four months to see each other. It might have been during certain spurts a little, a little sooner. And he and he never like nothing. <laughs> Not that I know of. No, okay. but no, I would. I that's good. Highly doubt that. I don't even. I've never even considered him to be that type of. How long have you guys been married? Um, it'll be eleven years in September. Yeah, long time. So you obviously believe that you can stay with one person the rest of your life. I do believe that. Hmm. I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Right, and you have children. I have one. You have one child. Yep, my you little got... girl. Her name's Kennedy. You guys want more? Uh-uh. No, no, no. We don't. Okay. We thought we did, and then we had one, and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's she's enough of a blessing for us. <laughs> is your husband black? He is. Okay. He's very black. Black. <laughs> black. Black. All right, so you have a podcast that you're going to launch, correct? Yes. What's the name of this? The Lit Hour. The Lit Hour? The Lit Hour, yes. Okay, what's this podcast about? Um, so all things literature. Um, oh, literature. Yes. Not just, oh, it's lit tonight. Oh, Not no, that. both. No. Wait a minute, it's both. Okay, it's there both? was definitely meaning in, in that yeah. play. Um, mm. there, there is a liquor component. So y'all gonna be drinking and shit. We're gonna be drinking. Okay. Yes, we're going drinking to be and reading discussing. books. Yep. <laughs> well, discussing them, not reading. Drinking them. and discussing. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're fun. We don't we don't like to talk about books and be boring. Mm-hmm. We like to be ourselves, and <clears throat> Nikita and I like to drink. So, so <laughs> put the two together. <laughs> so you're here with your your co-host Nikia. Yes. Nakia, where are you from? I'm from Oakland, California. Born and raised? Yes. What's your background? Um, my background is uh, I've been in Oakland for most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I met Free in college. Mm-hmm. 
And, and New York or? No, in, no in, here in the Bay. Here in the Bay. Okay. But we didn't go to the same college. We just met during college, during, during our college like years. A, like a party or something? No, just social events. Yeah. Yeah, there's more to that story I can feel. <laughs> I can feel no, it. That's literally it. Social events. Social events. Huh? Social <laughs> okay. Actually, we met at a nonprofit um, community service event. That's how we first met. Ah. Yeah, we were doing we were doing community service together. Okay. See. Nice. There's no story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys met, hit it off. Um, yeah, we were cool. We stayed in contact kind of like through social media mm-hmm. um, and afterward, after college. And I started a, a book club. That what did you go to school for? I went to SF State for Africana Studies. Okay. Um, and I started a book club. It started a national growing. book club. It became a national book club. And mm-hmm. one day, Free was like, I want to join. I like to read books. So she joined the Oakland chapter. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of your book club? Book teeny. Book teen? Book teeny. Book teeny, like martini in a book? Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So y'all some alcoholics. No. We just, we just enjoy drinks. It's yeah. just cocktails over. Exactly. So when you drink something, you're like, mm, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would like to enjoy what I'm consuming. When I drink alcohol, I'm like, this shit is nasty. No. Well, we pick we select cocktails that uh-huh. match with the book and, okay. the, and usually the season as well so like now we're having like punches and easy make easy to make cocktails during the summer mm-hmm. and it's just a way for people to get together and have a good time while they're yeah. discussing a book so it's not a plain book club you so know? you said it's nationally mm-hmm. uh are these like zoom meetings or what? no we have multiple chapters mm. um across the country and they meet within their chapters in part some still meet through zoom because of COVID, but most meet. And everybody mostly. reads the same book? The same book. And the Do same people have to too. finish the book at a certain time? Like at the, we're talking about chapter 11, but I'm still on chapter 7. Well, we, you're supposed to meet once a month, so the book should be done by the time you meet so you can right. talk about it. Okay. But, you know, if you can't finish it. Then you got to read a book in a month? Yes. This is for people who you read books. You should be books. able to read a book in a couple it of It takes days, me. But, you know, at least a week. <laughs> I've been reading. I've been reading this one book. It's, I've been literally had this book for like a year and a half. What, what book, book is, is it? Stranger at the Gates. It's about the freedom fighter, the freedom fighters that went down to Mississippi to help mm-hmm. niggas vote. Well, okay. Well, is that that's basically what it's about? It's this white guy who wrote the book. I'm wondering why it's taking you so long. To finish I don't know. The I'm book. just like I'm that I'm that type of reader who uh, oh, like I'll read you it. Take your time. Yeah, I'll read a couple of chapters and I'll put it down. Six months later, I'll pick it up again. Oh, that's my oh. husband. So yeah, I, I can't be in no. no yeah, you definitely can't. Well, we no. have, we <laughs> in June we invite men to join us. Um, oh, so, so this is all women's thing. Yes, it's all women, oh. and then in June men can come. We have co-ed cocktails, and that and individual chapters select their own book, and they try to lean towards something a man would be interested in. Is the co-ed one? Is it? Does it turn into like more like a uh, like a like a happy hour like oh, yeah. oh like a dating type shit like oh, yeah. speed yeah. dating no, well, no, 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 no 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 people no. bring their husbands uh, or their or someone they know someone they you know, know a okay. friend a cousin so we're not opening partner. up to the community uh. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like bring somebody you know <laughs> I mean but, but they have, but they get, have a couple get married they, they met at the co-ed oh. and got married and, mm. yeah. and how long this has been going on since two thousand nine. 2009. What made you start a book club? I love to read. 
And when I was out of college, I realized that I hadn't been reading because I was focusing on school Mm -hmm. and I wanted somebody to discuss the books that I was reading with, but most of them geared toward people, my mom's age. And I didn't, I wanted to meet with people my age. Mm -hmm. So after a few tries, it just caught on and we started growing. How does one like start a book club? Cause you say your shit is nas- nationally. How does one start one and become national? So everything was by happenstance. It was not intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend from high school who wanted to start one and we both decided to do it together. And we had separate friend groups. So we invited our friends to join us and it kind of blew up when we, when Precious came out, the movie. Oh yeah, um, because we decided to read the book and go to the movies together. Mm. So then a lot of people came read the book first and then go to the yeah. movies. Okay, and then discuss the difference. And so was there we, a big difference? I do not remember because that was over ten years ago. Oh, okay. I don't. <laughs> you expect me to remember, remember that? <laughs> Basically, what I'm saying was there a part where you know in the movie where she was standing on the top of the stairs and she was yelling at? Was that in the book? I can that's funny. This, that book was very traumatizing to read, so I don't remember the book at okay. all. Like it was one of those where I was like, I never want to read this again. Mm. So yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. But they probably did make that up because it was very sparse. The book was very sparse. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Who is your favorite author? My favorite author is Toni Morrison. Give me an example of one of his book. books. Is it her books? I'm sorry. I don't even know Toni Morrison. <gasps> the last for me. <laughs> The blasphemy. Oh, we um, have to inform you. <laughs> well, Toni Morrison is like the most celebrated American. It's a black writer. woman? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, I probably know one of her books. Name, you know name Beloved, it. probably. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Oprah, shout out. Hey, what's yeah, up, Oprah? Oprah really elevated her mm. outside of like academics. Mm-hmm. Crazy, so. Okay. Did you read Beloved? Yeah, I've read, every, I think I've read everything she's written. Mm-hmm. Do you write? Kind of, sort of. Yes, she does. She does? <laughs> mm-hmm. I haven't published anything. No? What do you write? Stories, poetry, what? So I actually haven't written in a long time, um, but previously short stories and poetry. Mm-hmm. What's your poetry? And I used to be a blogger. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. That's how the book club kind, For of, a long time. kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what stuff do you normally write about? Um, when I was a blogger, it was more like lifestyle, dating, um, funny stuff, the book club. For short stories, I try to write about things happening to black women um, that can lead to drama, but also uh, freedom mm. type things. Poetry, I used to write about love and heartbreak a lot. Do you feel that Black women have it hard uh, in the dating scene in the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. Are you married? No. Explain. <laughs> <laughs> what is there to explain? I'm not I knew married. The answer was coming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have not met anyone. That I don't know what I'm saying is explain why do you think black women have it hard in the dating scene out here? I don't think we have a lot to choose from compared to other places where we have large population of black people. Um. And I think that's really what it is as far, especially being somebody who grew up here. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the men that I would most likely be paired with, they either move away, like they go away to school and don't come back Mm -hmm. or they are 
living a lifestyle I would never want to be a part of. So, what do you mean, like illegal lifestyles? Possibly. So, those are the men you would date? No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm oh, saying. those are the choices that you have. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, or I mean, I've had other choices, but just nothing. I mean, what, what, what crowds are you look? What crowds are you around? If those are your only choices, well, I'm not saying that's my only choice, but I feel like that's really maybe prevalent. That's what, yeah, that's you have people who are like good guys, but they may not approach you, or mm-hmm. they may, you know, they may just be a friend for a very long time and not say anything. I've had plenty of people reach out when it's too late. When I'm mm. in a relationship, like, why mm. didn't you say anything? Mm. Mm-hmm. So, but I just feel like the options are very few. When I go out of town, it's a completely different story. So, Do you feel <laughs> like uh, when you're out of town, you're putting yourself out there? No. More? Because everyone, when they go on vacation, they they turn into a different, oh. Uh, so let me be. I'm pretty sure the way you act in Oakland ain't the way you act in Vegas, right? I don't really go to Vegas like that, well, but you, let me. Let me say one thing. When I said I was a blogger, I used to write about dating relationships, mm-hmm. and I had this moniker called the Date Master. So I, I regularly go out and date. I'm not saying I can't date. I'm saying a possibility for marriage is not yeah. really there. So I date a lot here, but when I go out, the amount of people who may approach me is completely different, and the caliber is mm-hmm. also better. Mm. Where do you feel that you've been? The caliber was the best. DC. Yeah. Chocolate City. Everybody can say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> DC has the most uh black uh millionaires in one one little city, you know? Okay. Yeah. Maybe I should have yeah. went to Howard then. Is that what yeah. y'all saying? <laughs> could have been a millionaire. Oh, yeah, if you go to Howard, then you you said I could have been a millionaire. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, uh, how long have you been single? Um, well, I'm kind of in a relationship <clears throat> now. Okay. But I'm not like, married. <laughs> You're kind of in a like, relationship. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <clears throat> it, like, just started. So, was, yeah, like, a few days ago. <laughs> so, it feels weird to even bring it up. So, a lot of women, sometimes women are confused, sometimes. <laughs> wait a minute. Where did that come from? <laughs> like, what I'm saying is... Like, if you ask her, oh, yeah, that's my boyfriend. But if you ask him, he'll be like, nah, we just talked. Oh, he would. He oh, would it, was, say that. it was the other way around. Okay. I, I know for So, fact. you guys are officially <laughs> boyfriend. That's why I said I it just literally remember. just happened and it was the other way around. <laughs> so, yeah, you guys are officially boyfriend and girlfriend. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this just happened? Yes. Like last week. How long were you guys dating before this became official? Like, off and on since last February. Why was it off and on? Because both of us had just been out of a relationship, like a quarantine relationship. Mm. And, you know, and he, yeah, that's it. How old are you? I am 40. And this guy, you think you see marriage in him? You know what? I haven't thought about that. Mm, so why be, in a rela- why be in a relationship? Because we really like each other. And I feel like once you get a certain age, if you don't see marriage, then why even make it official? You guys Everybody can still doesn't be. want to get married. Like, it's I'm true. at the point now where I'm like. You don't want to get married? I can get married, but it's not a goal. Like, I'm not searching for it right now. I think that I'm mindset now, is also very so. restrictive. The too. what? I said, I also think that mindset is very restrictive. 
What do you mean? If if you only date to get married, I honestly think that you can miss out on experiences, on people. Well, yeah, I'm talking about once you get a certain age. I'm I'm well, see, I'm saying that once you get a certain <laughs> age, I still feel that same thing. Uh. I mean, I'm at the age now where I am not letting that lead anything because mm-hmm. it will likely lead to disappointment. Mm-hmm. So I'm more so open to let's experience what we're experiencing, right? What, what's going on between us, let's experience it and enjoy each other. And if it leads to that, it does. If it doesn't, we have fun. Are you guys in love? No, we just, he's just become my boyfriend okay. last week. <laughs> but we are not there yet, said, sir. No, <laughs> calm down, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been in love? Yeah. Free. Uh-huh. Uh, you said have I or how many times? I said have you. Oh, uh, yeah. Free, you're obviously in love, correct? I am. Is do you do you believe a man and a woman can be can have unconditional love toward each other? Damn, unconditional. Um, you know what? <sighs> yes, I do. Um, but I got to explain that. Yes. Because I feel like when people hear unconditional, right, there's something that they have in their minds as to what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means a particular thing, right? Unconditional love to a lot of people, especially if you're talking about um, a relationship or marriage, right? In that type of a setting. I think that means for people that, um, there are no hard times, right? There, there aren't any breakups or there's no room for something like divorce, right? Um, and I don't see unconditional love that way, right? Unconditional means to me that if you love someone deeply enough, you will always want particular things with them and for them, even if something bad happens, right? Like you can go through ups and downs in a relationship, but loving that person doesn't have to change, right? Circumstances can, right? Lots of things Mm -hmm. um, as a part of that relationship can change, but that does not mean that your love for them has to change. So I believe that love there, there is a thing as unconditional love. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that unconditional love is something that means what a lot of people think it means, right? It doesn't mean um, permanence. Mm. And I think that's how people see it. What about you? Unconditional love is a lot. Um, it's probably possible for some people. I don't think it's a a normal, regular thing that can happen in relationships, mm-hmm. especially with current and younger generations, because people seem to be more free of like being committed to traditional relationships. I should say. Mm-hmm. So. So the reason I ask that is, I mean, I mean, you, I don't know. You have kids? No. Okay. So the reason I ask that is because you obviously have a daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Is your love for your daughter the same as the love for your husband? No. Which one is greater? <laughs> oh, I don't think I've ever 
considered which one of those things is greater. And I don't even know that I would. So you love your daughter equally, the same as your husband that can. Yeah, I, I think it's just different. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't compare love like that, mm. right? Like, love is love. I do think it's different love though, right? Like, the love that I have for my husband, there's a component of it that's very romantic, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously I don't have that for my child, but I love her, right? I love her with everything that I have, like my entire being. I love my child. Would you give your life for your child? Absolutely. At the drop of a dime, correct? Absolutely. Would you give your life for your husband? Absolutely. With the drop of a dime, or would you have to second have to think about it for a little bit? I wouldn't second guess either of those. Uh, you're just trying to be difficult. <laughs> I'm not. That's actually true. There Sometimes is... I want to kick his ass down the flight of stairs, but <laughs> if it came to that, I wouldn't think twice about it. A man <laughs> and a woman can never have unconditional love for each other. I don't believe unconditional that. love. If you want to experience that. If you if you want to experience unconditional love, that can only be be uh that can only happen with a man and a and his son or daughter or a woman and her son or daughter. Basically a, a, an adult and their children. I don't know. You know why? That. Because why? let's say you're married, okay, we have a kid, we have we have a son. That son is a part of me. We created that son. I love this kid. Like I would give my heart, like a heart. Oh, if he's dying, and then okay, I'm living. I have a healthy heart. Take my heart out. I'm dead. Give it to give it to my son. The wife. I don't know. I don't know. She's cheating on me. Blah blah. Like the love could end. That's what I'm saying. It could. Like a marriage could end. Exactly. But that son is there for you. Like there's something different between a love for a child, your child, not, I think, I th- and then a right, love for and a love for just your spouse. You're not considering the people who don't love their kids, and that's true. Or oh, who are, that's yeah, true. Not, I'm, yeah, I, yeah obviously, I'm not talking about every, but I'm just saying, like unconditional love in general, I think can only be uh, <clears throat> accomplished so. through uh, a parent and a child. I don't think so. Okay, I don't. I can't stand my mama. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think oh, yeah. that I don't think that's how that works all the time. I'm just saying. Well, I'm you, sorry. I didn't mean to say it like that. I mean, no, I did. I did mean to say it like that. You must be a rare, a rare breed or something. I I am a rare breed. But yeah, I don't. I, on average, I think. Uh, I think there are some. You can't. You can't. You can't weigh it. averages in unconditional love. Like that's you a, cannot that's a sit here and tell me that situation thing. you love your like, husband never leave you, like equally never as your you. daughter. That's do, your mini me. That's that's you basically. But I do, and the and you know what? I I feel like I can I can mm-hmm. say that, and that will never change for me because of who my husband has been to me. Mm-hmm. Right, like. There are bonds that people share that create unconditional love, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I and and here's the thing. There are probably 
there's probably one thing in this entire world that that man could do that would change the type of love that I have for him to conditional. And what is that? If he turned around and became a pedophile, like oh, that's yeah. the that's, thing yeah. that will make me, you know what I mean? Yeah, like that's, that's, that's that thing about people. But that's but what she means. That's how extreme. That's exactly yeah. what I mean. It yeah. would have to be something so extreme to turn my love for him to conditional. Mm. Right. Mm. And would make it turn off. And that would be the thing that would be like immediately. I don't have to think about this. That proves no. my point. It doesn't though. There's something that he can do that would change the love. There's nothing that your daughter would can do that would be like, Oh, I don't love my daughter anymore. Is there? Uh, probably. No, there's, no, there's not. <laughs> if she did. I that mean, proves my whole fucking point. I, say she could do that. I mean, right. Right. But I mean, you never really say nothing. that people would do things like that. Right. But I love, I love my daughter no matter what she does. But your husband, there's something that he. One thing, no. I did. Yeah, but it's something. That's what I'm saying. I just know of couples who really. That's what unconditional love means. No matter what, the love is still going to be there. The same. But there are couples who cannot live without each other. Like one. Well, that's just dependency. But you know, the other one, you know, dies. That's just. And it's naturally. That's that's a common case of I'm scared to be alone. That's dependency. They're dependent. At that point, they're dependent. That's not what that has to be. They're though. dependent on the other person for survival right. and like That's life. That's not what and that shit. has to be. It's like it's I feel right. like you're boxing everything right into and like everything yeah. has to be one thing or the other, I'm, uh, and it doesn't have to be. Oh, it doesn't. But if <laughs> if you take a survey of ten people and eight of them <laughs> back to averages, eight of them say yeah. What what are you gonna what are you gonna write the paper on? That's averages and that's averages. What's gonna be your conclusion? I don't operate in averages on love. Nice. I love them both differently. We just gonna go back to that. I love them both differently. All right. So um when is this podcast going to be out? Soon. Soon. Very soon. soon. Have yeah. you guys recorded any episodes yet? No. <laughs> you just got just got the idea. Everything but. Just got the idea. Um. No. No. Yeah. We've definitely done everything up to recording. Like the mm. next step is recording. Basically. Right. Okay. Mm. Okay. Do you guys have a book that you're gonna talk about on the first episode? Yeah. We've got our entire season mapped out. Okay. First mm-hmm. season. Yep. You don't give me like a oh, an exclusive announcement. So I'm the first one. Yeah, Will, Smith. Um, Will by Will Smith, his yeah. memoir. Will by Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Will Smith, oh uh oh, uh oh, that's it. Do you guys think <laughs> Jada Pinkett is fucking over this man, like oh, emasculating him? No, no. no? I don't. I don't know. I'm just asking the questions people want to know. No. I don't. No? Mm-mm. No. You don't think she's embarrassing him, talking in public about his sexual, like, not satisfying her and I don't ever her confessing remember. her love to Tupac 24-7 <laughs> and shit like that? I don't ever I mean, remember hearing her say he doesn't satisfy her. Right. Oh, but, she said it. She said it on a Red Table Talk. She said, Will Smith doesn't satisfy me in bed. 
Did she say it just like that with those words? Yeah. And there was nothing else like around it. I don't she think said that's it. how that went. It was all over the fucking news. I don't think she said that. I think she. she yeah, and when I read the oh and when I read it. the articles, that th- that was not how she said that. <laughs> she I don't believe like that, that at all. She said think- something like that. That was not how she said it. <laughs> and she does not confess her profess her love for Tupac twenty four seven, even though she does do a lot. <laughs> she does mm. do a lot. It's messy. So you, so basically you, you, messy. So you, she, you said she's being messy. I think I, I think her um, consistently professing her love for Pac, mm-hmm. I think, is a bit messy. However, a lot of times we got to be honest. She's asked about it. Yeah. It's not like she's just. You know, she shows up one day on Instagram and is like, I love Pac, everybody don't forget. <laughs> like, that's not how these things are happening. Right. She's I don't doing think interviews, she's asked, people are asked about I don't about think it. she's asked about it. She posts shit on her Instagram. She put a, uh, her daughter put a post on Instagram of a love letter that she wrote to Pac saying, oh, look yeah, at my mother. Yeah, but she didn't do that. That was a long time ago. And that was, I don't know why she shared that with the world. Because I wouldn't have never said she knows her mama. That's her real true love, not Will Smith. So Willow being messy too. I mean, maybe I they just hope. got a messy gene, but <laughs> I don't. I don't think she's emasculating him. No, yeah. that's not, not something. I so think both of y'all agree with that? Yeah, I don't okay. think she's emasculating. Do you think uh, the black man image in today's society, like social media? Uh, all these TV shows, do you think they are emasculating? When I say they, I mean the white, white America, because they're obviously behind all of these TV shows, correct? Do you think they're putting out images emasculating the black man? The black man was once, the black man was once considered, when you, when you think of the black man, you, you think of God, you think of a strong, tall man, Protection. That's what you think of. Oh, this man is protecting me. He's mentally here for me and all that, right? Now, today, you think of, you think of P Valley. What's it do on P Valley? You think of, you think of Saucy Santana. Oh, no. You think of, you think of, you think of, you think of, uh, uh, what's dude, um, first of all, those are not, the men and every the TV that show, I think of everything, when I think of black men. Today. Every when they talk about when they sh- when they show a the image of a gay man on TV, it does not. When that bla- the gay black man, is, the image of the gay black man and the gay white man is two totally different things. The gay white man just looks like a regular old dude. Sometimes the gay black man. It's to the extreme. Flamboyant like a motherfucker walking around with well, see, if you look at uh, the high example hills. you gave in Peak Valley, they have a gay black man who may be considered flamboyant, and they have one who is a rapper who is very masculine. Mm-hmm. So they have two examples of how you can be a gay black man, so, yeah. and there isn't a definition to that either. But that I don't alone. I think there's a problem with having gay black men on television. Well, like yeah, I'm not saying there's a problem with it. I'm just saying. And that they don't have more the image. of them than heterosexual black men right. on television. Right. So they're just suddenly right. it's getting It's not an overwhelming amount. Maybe like three or four no? representatives no. or images that I can think of. Right. What like about outside. what about all these straight black men running around with uh their nails painted? Running around wearing <laughs> wearing skirts and wearing women's clothing. I don't I don't think You that... don't think that's a part of the uh the black man image? 
They're now they're now they're, the they're is, now taking straight. I don't think that's taking black. the image and making it negative. I don't think there's some. It's it's almost like the "Make America Great Again" thing, right? And you're like, wait, what? I think that there's <laughs> always been black men that span the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? And there are nowadays black men in a particular category that are being highlighted, right? And, and again, not overwhelmingly, right? Not more than other categories would, of black men. I don't men. even think they're being highlighted. They're just but there. It's just, but I mean, it's like, just, you know, you, yeah. you bring up shows like P Valley, right? And these mm-hmm. are very like prominent characters. Have on you the watched P Valley before? I have. Okay. Yeah. So you know, you know about it too? I know exactly. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But it's like those images to me are, are one, not problematic, right? Never said they were. No, no, no. I'm saying that mm-hmm. they're not problematic because that is a conversation that's, that's being had. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a conversation that's necessary uh, amongst us mm-hmm. at all. Right. I'm like, I feel like the more diversity within ourselves and our culture that we can show and bring to people and highlight the better, right. We're not all one thing. So mm-hmm. why do we have to show that on television? Mm-hmm. Right. Why does this have to be 92 and we have to be a different world or the Cosby show? Right, like all of us don't fall into that category. Yes, you know, like every show doesn't have to be The Wire because all of us don't (laughs) fall into that category. You know what I mean? It's like we can be everywhere. We can be everyone. We can be Olivia Pope. You know what I mean? Like we can be all of these different expressions of blackness on camera, and we should be good with that. So, but you don't think that, uh, nope, <laughs> no, <Mm-mm>. okay, <laughs> I don't. Um, if we're going back to is it emasculating black men? Absolutely, that's the not. whole point. Okay, I don't, I don't got no problem with gay people. On I TV. think that I we're smart enough. I, I like, just think they're trying to push, they're trying to push an agenda. White, uh, I think we're smarter than that. And a mm. lot of the storylines that people say they're pushing an agenda are storylines written by black people who want to be represented. Mm. Like they Absolutely. want to see themselves or their type of circumstances on television. Mm-hmm. And okay, a white person may green light it, but a black person wrote it. Like people were upset about Empire. And I'm like, who is the man that created Empire? He's gay. Of course, he would want to have something about his life included in this very popular show. Like, what is the problem with that? Mm-hmm. And it's only one character. But even if it was more, that shouldn't be a problem either. Right. Nice. <laughs> we, we made some points y'all better be listening are these uh some topics you guys are gonna be uh, talking about on your podcast yeah that might touch on that a little yeah, bit yeah we do okay. all right well uh this was a very very uh <laughs> nice episode <laughs> thank you guys for coming uh free of course if you want to plug your book one more time and tell the people where they can find it and purchase it. Absolutely. And your socials, if you want anyone to know your Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Let them know that. Um, so the book is called Secret St. John. Um, and my pen name is L. Johnson. Um, so you can find it on Amazon. Um, E-L-L-E. Again, last name Johnson. <laughs> Um, I do have my own website, um, which you can, you can find, um, from my Instagram page 
Um, you can go to my personal page, still dreaming, um, with, uh, an N on the end, no ING, just dream and N. Um, or you can go to EJ, um, dot rights on Instagram. You all right. Thanks for having me, by the way. <laughs> and the, your co-host. Um, I am Nakia again. <laughs> and <laughs> get that straight. And you can uh, reach me at Zora Tony Maya on Instagram, or you can check out the book club at booktini.com. And that's B O O K T I N I dot com. Nice. And the name of your guys' podcast once again? The Lit Hour. The Lit Hour. So, yeah. Uh, Check that podcast out whenever it comes out. <laughs> Don't do that. It's coming out in a few weeks. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, Follow us on Instagram and then you'll see when it when we post. It. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, purchase their book. Join their book club. <laughs> All that. All that. Support <laughs> these black women, these black creators, because everyone knows black women needs support by oh man because we're great supporters because we're great black women are awesome yeah just support them because they're women but especially support them because they're black that's the icing on the cake i'll take that and this is everyday celebrity podcast we are out you